the tennis fundamentals, the serve, the volley, and the smash. This month we are doing tennis. What better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? I have no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world, and I'm playing with the metal hit. Okay, Joe Palman, are you there? We had a lot of technical difficulties setting this up. I'm here, baby. We're uh, we got our mic set up. We're all we're almost a real podcast now, man. Happy to be here. We're still waiting on the first revenue to come in, <laughs> but you know, you gotta. I got Andy Roddick on speed bit. dial, so you let me know if we need uh, some investors. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the voice of our first guest. How about that? A man who needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. 2013 Iowa High School State Champion in doubles at the 2A level. Four-time intramural champion at the University of Iowa. He's been called the LeBron James of Iowa High School Tennis. The grip god himself. The pride of Davenport Assumption. Steven Nicknish. Steve, how we doing? We're doing pretty well. Um, I got to say, uh, unfortunately, only three-time intramural state champion. All right. Did uh, did you boys, I know you did, Joe. Steve, you catching any of the uh, action in Miami back in March? Well, Miami Open? Miami Masters? I saw a little of it. I'm a big, like, majors guy. I'm actually supposed to go to the U.S. Open this year. So I'm trying to, um, well, we'll see. You know, my dad doesn't follow up on his uh, Christmas promises that often. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, if you want to – you guys want to give a little recap and I can chime in. I have a, you know, a general understanding of how it went. But, um, yeah, that's I, – I, you know, didn't watch a ton of it, but I saw a little of it. So, Joe, I've got, I've got two news and notes from Miami. I think you're going to like these. So, one, we might have talked about this on the last episode – the young uh, up-and-coming American Chris Eubanks into the quarterfinals uh, and cracked the top 100 in the ATP rankings, so good for him. And then the other one, I love this. So Medvedev beat Sinner in the in the finals. In the semis, Sinner uh, took down Alcaraz in his 3-3 three and three head-to-head against Alcaraz. So maybe the Alcaraz kryptonite is Yannick Sinner. Yeah, I was noticing the same thing. Um, and there was, it seemed like that was a, a really great match. Uh, they were really duking it out. It might have meant went to three there because um, they don't play five in these smaller tournaments. But yet, yeah, um, Sinner making a big statement against Alcaraz. And, and I was kind of, as I was going through Miami and then the next couple uh, thousands tournaments with Rublev winning in Monte Carlo and then Alcaraz coming back and winning in Barcelona. That's back-to-back for him. I was kind of feeling like a rounded-out top-five threats here with all the injuries to Djokovic mm. and Nadal is starting to look like Medvedev, Alcaraz, Sinner. Maybe you want to say Sissipas and Rublev? Yeah. Maybe. I like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's Alcaraz, Medvedev. Yeah, Rublev's looking good, too. I got to shout out my guy, Barantini, but he's been dealing with injuries. He's probably my favorite player. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't think he's really in contention at the moment. He's kind of been, he struggled with injuries and I don't know. I, I don't know what the, his deal is. He's, 
got so much raw talent, but I feel like he just had like since what what was it Wimbledon like two years ago? I feel like he hasn't really been relevant for a while. Yeah. So he so yeah he went to the finals at Wimbledon two years ago, right? Yeah, I think he lost to Djokovic in five. Um, yeah, yeah. And then he was injured uh, last year for Wimbledon, and grass is kind of his surface, so that was too bad. So maybe he'll come alive here in the grass court season. Yeah, we should we can make a like a YouTube vlog of us playing on a grass court. I've never played on an official <laughs> one, but <laughs> me neither. I have played on clay, so I got that oh. going for me. And it sucks. Fuck clay. <laughs> so what's like what's like the biggest difference playing on clay? Like just uh, slide, the sliding? Yeah, just that so you feel like you're gonna eat shit twenty four seven. Um that's like, I mean, every time you like, if you're if you're moving for a winner, you know, someone hits a good forehand shot and like you're hitting a slice shot back, you you slide like you're on like a ski course. You know, it's just you're always worried. Le- legitimately, you're always worried about eating shit. Like that is. <laughs> I've I've played I played a lot on one of my buddies' uncles has a like it, I played on a legitimate clay court once in Florida, but one of my buddies' uncles has like a fake clay like not fake clay, but yeah, no, it's pretty much fake clay, uh, <laughs> fake clay court in his backyard. So during COVID, I used to play him there a lot, and that's the thing is like you just have to change your game so much because the likelihood of someone like falling or losing their footing and then giving you an opening on the court is like vastly increased on even a fake clay court. Mm. So you just, yeah, you pretty much are always worried. You're just going to eat shit and look like a moron, I guess is the best way I can summarize it. (laughs) So Joe, what was that surface you were talking about? Like a couple episodes ago, your hometown has like some weird, uh, it's like carpet or something. We don't have the carpet. Steve, what is the fake clay like? Because I think it might be that. Yeah, I think it is. I, it's kind of like sand. Um, <laughs> probably just like sand you buy from your local hardware store and you put it on the court. But every so every time after you play and it's a bitch, you have to like you have to re you have to re-roll like the lines, you know, the white the white lines and you have to like re-sand the surface so it's not totally legitimate but it i i think it has a similar effect i would say um but i mean it's still fun but it's i'd rather just kick someone's ass on a hardcore and then leave and call it a day i guess put it that way (laughs) Is it like one of those um, that they do in between the baseball innings that you drag behind you? Is it kind of like that thing? Literally, exactly like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we have is the fake the, the fake clay. Mm. Um, Joe, where are you? Where are you? Are you from? Are you in Des Moines or? Yeah, yep. I'm uh, I'm a hardcore guy. That's all well, we've got. No, here. He knows. Where I know you're, you're from. from Des Moines. Oh. Come on, bro. <laughs> that might be the best moment we've had. <laughs> I'm talking to Antonino over here, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. 
I'm from Toledo, Ohio, so also, you know, a small-town Midwest guy, and I'm in New York now, so maybe I'll see you at the U.S. Open. Maybe you will. Bright lights. We'll get a, we'll get a, we'll get a slice of Zah together. <laughs> Crossing fingers for Dad that Dad comes through this year. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to start on in the first 20 minutes here. No, I know. Well, my buddy just uh, got a job with the Mets. He's their director of uh, pitching development, so – um, I was hoping to maybe make a trip up there, figure something out. Um, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, are don't are you a Buckeyes fan? Because we can't. I, I might have to quit the podcast if that's it. <laughs> not not really. I, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Oh my god! Did we just become best friends? God damn it! <laughs> All right, Steve. I'm, I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan, as well as Iowa. But, yeah, no, my grandpa, three of my uncles went to Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, damn it. Now we're best friends. Love to hear it. Go Irish, baby. Sam Hartman is the future. Um, the Midwest world of – did you go to – I mean, you never – you didn't go to Catholic school, but you come No, from I a, did. You did? Yeah. I always say that the – it's not people say it's a small world. It's a small world if you ever went to any Catholic school in the Midwest. It's a very small world. Oh, you've no idea. The amount of shit I got from like being a Notre Dame fan while at Iowa was unparalleled. Uh-huh. So do we want to talk about uh the mental mind games involved in the game of tennis? Hallman, we call it mental warfare. Come mental, on. Now. <laughs> mental warfare mental mind games. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to. Okay, so you're a you're a state champion, and two I, time. I, oh, two time. Well, we won we won team my junior year, and then I won doubles my senior year. Okay. Hey, do you so want to shout out your your doubles partner? Uh yeah, Jimmy Hughes Camp. He's a uh, he's a dog. He's a good great player. There we go. <laughs> so you're uh you've had some success obviously so you're well versed in mental warfare i feel like you told me one time was it the first ball you hit out you uh you yell come on yeah so the gist of this and i don't know if anyone else does this so (laughs) the strategy is so the thing with like play like i like i didn't really start taking tennis series well i played like at our it wasn't like a country club was like a pool club. I took like summer lessons, you know, when I was a kid, but I didn't, but I started playing summer tournaments when I was a junior. Cause I was, I was playing, you know, baseball, basketball, football. And, uh, when I start, then I stopped. And, um, so I'd played these summer tournaments and it's like, everyone calls their own shots. Like you could literally like, I could hit a shot in the middle of the court and hypothetically the kid I'm playing could call it out. And it's like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, So that's not as much of an issue in like actual like high school and state matches when you have a bigger crowd watching. But what I would do was if there was a shot that I hit that may or may not have been a couple inches out, and I was playing a kid who I knew was already, you know, kind of hosing me, calling stuff out that wasn't out. I would yell, let's go before the ball 
hit the court to try to get in their head to try to dissuade them from calling said ball out. And I bet you it worked like 30 to 40% of the time. <laughs> Joe, Joe, there's no, uh, there's no referees in uh, high school tennis in Iowa. So you call your, you call your own in and outs, which is I, so I played one year of high school tennis and I thought that was super weird. Yeah. It sucked. Cause you play like, like, I mean, I was playing like high level and I played a bunch of kids that were just straight up cheaters. And so <laughs> I just tried to find ways to like, you know, I, I mean, make them not make them not be cheaters, I guess. I don't know the best way to explain it, but I, unfortunately I got a depraved enjoyment out of it because uh, it actually worked a lot of the time. I mean, for, for most of us, for the rest of our career, or anybody, you know, our peers who are listening when we're playing men's and women's league, that's how it's going to be. You're going to call your own. And yeah, I mean, I probably in a more social setting when you're not going up against a rival high school, everybody's, I would, I would probably err on the side of being polite, but in the, you know, <laughs> the depths of high school where people's consciences aren't fully formed and there's a lot of animosity between these schools. I could see that being a big thing. Was there, did you get into, you know, is it a look or is it a full on argument? Uh, is it an appeal to the crowd and the other people around when you have a disagreement about that kind of thing? Oh yeah. No, I had a kid that I played a couple times. I met just Joe and like, I, I mean, I beat, we, he, you know, I was like four and against him. But he, uh, I had, I had like done tennis clinics with him and I won't name names, but like at Iowa, my buddy told me at a party, like he had, like wanted to fight me because we got into it so much on the tennis court. And if we're talking mental warfare, another one of my tricks was like, if there was an over-involved tennis dad, they usually sit behind the fence or at mid court. And if, like, they hit a ball out, I would intentionally talk to myself and say, like, this kid's got nothing. This kid's a cheater. And then the dad would talk to the son, you know, at, like, a changeover or something. And, like, it would kind of get in his head. It's kind of messed mm. up, but it was <laughs> impactful. <laughs> Interesting. So was your, uh, like, was your coach, like, giving you advice during matches or no? I mean, a little like he was, you know, my coach was solid. He played D3, he played at Dubuque, um, but we didn't like, so if I can give you an example, like my sophomore year, I had, I was brought up to play number two when I was probably the fourth best player on the team. And then I just like I, at number four, I was like, I don't know like 13 and one on the year. And then I got brought up to number two and we played the three best teams in the conference. Like kid, like I played kids that like won the state title that year. And so I didn't have a lot of reliance on my coach. And that's the thing is my doubles partner that I once stayed with my senior year, we only played one match together before we won the state title we didn't play together the entire season. Mm, wow. Yeah. So there's kind of like, uh, 
I don't want to call it fixed because you can do whatever you want hypothetically, but the, yeah, the kid I ended up playing with, I played one doubles with our number five player. And then the, the kid that I won state with played two doubles the whole season. We played one match together the whole year. And then I was always like anxious and nervous, you know, the whole season. Cause I'm like, we can win state together. You know, we can like, we we're a righty lefty combo. We're both our two best players. It matches up perfectly. And luckily we ended up getting to play together, but we didn't have that ability to like establish chemistry throughout the year. Cause I, I played with someone different the entire season. So it's like, yeah, it's a different dynamic. I would say, um, dirt. Yeah. Or at least that we had. So, yeah, I mean, my coach was fine, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it at that. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, uh, when you play doubles, are you high-fiving after every point your partner? Oh yeah, you have to, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta keep that energy and get in their head. I mean, we had, I mean, we didn't lose a set until the state final when we played and no one really knew who we were because we hadn't played together before. And the year before, when we won team state our uh number one and two doubles tandem they actually lost in a third set in in the state championship so people were and we we came from a district like the assumption district if you come out of that district you're expected to win i mean because we had like Mm -hmm. cedar Rapids, xavier dubuque waller comanche had a couple good teams um Waterloo Columbus I mean most of the good teams in the state came out of our district so I I never even made state until my senior year I I tried and failed as a sophomore and junior (laughs) which is ridiculous obviously like if if it was just like an open season I mean I could have at least like gotten like fifth or sixth probably Mm. but yeah, they, it was just stacked towards that region. Huh. So, Joe, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, like, so, like, from high school or probably even younger, like, all the way up to the pros, like, the very top players, when they play doubles, they high-five after every point, win or lose, which just, like, I don't know, like, just baffles me. It's like, it's like some kind of, like, mental, uh, like, yeah, keeping the energy high kind of thing. And, Joe, is it always a high-five, or are they doing fist bumps? What's the nature of the every point? Usually we make out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, low five? Dude, the two-handed low five is disrespectful, man. You hit a good shot. You you dunk on somebody on the basketball court, two-handed low five right after in their face. Man, disrespectful. No, but that's what makes it more fun. I mean, that's why I I prefer to play doubles because I like that camaraderie. And, like, I've grown up Mm. playing team sports my whole life. And it's – you know, it's fun. Like, obviously, the more you can show your opponent that you guys are, you know, motivated and in tuned, the more it usually tends to help, I feel like. And how do you – because when you're on a team of five basketball players or you're playing football, like, you can just be like, oh, we're, if, you're, if you're struggling, you know, you're all just as a team. You guys are just sucking. But how do you suppress that concern? You said you were nervous because you wanted to play with the guy because you guys knew you could win. 
how do you suppress that feeling of like, I don't want to let this one other person down as a, as a duo? Yeah, I think it's a, I mean, I had, you know, we initially talked about like mental warfare. I had a lot, I kind of suppressed my temper my senior year and my partner was a junior in high school and he also had a temper and I think it helped us because we were both like passionate and uh, cared about, you know, doing well. So I was able to kind of feed on that. And, you know, it's not like football where like, you know, you throw a touchdown and it's a screaming crowd and, you know, they're not going to hear you yelling, let's go to your teammate. Whereas on a tennis court, you can hear everything. So the person you're playing is if you're high-fiving and yelling, let's go and, you know, we got this or, you know, something in that aspect, it can get in their heads. Like you can almost, you know, like in blackjack, like you can double down on your confidence and energy um, if you're doing well and you can, you know, feed off that and hopefully continue to do well. That makes sense. I think that's great. And I, I like, it's a good point that like, like using your temper to direct it at the other team, but, but making sure it's not getting messy on your side of the court. Cause to your point, I was saying, Oh, I'm nervous. If I miss a shot it is, you know, if I'm underperforming the other player, you know, that's unfortunate, but you kind of also have to be careful if you're the better player or you're playing better in that particular moment, you don't want to go fuck. And then, you know, blow the confidence of your teammate yeah absolutely and like at a changeover you know I mean we would argue but I mean we had when we won the state title we were down we won in a third set tie break uh we were down in the third set five six fifteen forty and I served twice second serves and I always had a problem with second serves and like uh you luck we ended up I ended up you know luckily hitting them in and winning the points and then we ended up winning the the tie break uh 7-0 and it was kind of a thing where um my partner was an unbelievable server he had not gotten broken the entire state tournament and we were tied 5-5. He was – or we were up 5-4, actually, and he was serving. And he double – I think he double faulted twice. At, we lost four points in a row on his serve. And he had not lost his serve, like, 28 times over the course of the state tournament. And so then I had to serve. And uh, so, yeah, that's the thing is, like, I try – you know, you try to keep each other in check. And you don't want to show your opponent – that you're clashing or rattled or showing weakness. So you, and that's what I always tried to do was just display, you know, display confidence um, when maybe you weren't necessarily confident at that time. Your recall on that score is amazing. <laughs> How many times have you replayed those points in your, in your mind since then? I mean, my my grandpa's may rest in peace was we so we they play the state title at waterloo and it was there was a huge uh rainstorm so we were playing indoors and i had like 
13 family members there. My grandpa, who'd never been to an athletic event in my life, was there. And, like, he's, like, old school, like, hard-ass doctor. He went to Notre Dame, by the way, Joe. Anthony, shout out, shout out the Irish. Go Irish. Um, but, yeah, like, I was just, uh, I don't know, I think that helped me because I just kind of went brass bolts and just went for it and worked out. So, it was it was very enjoyable. And the team we played was from Marion, Iowa. We actually played them in districts. to, So, we had both – so, like, districts in Iowa, the top two teams automatically qualify for state. But – the winner or loser can dictate like if your team goes to state. So I, we played them and we were huge underdogs and we won like six, three, six, three in the district final. We were just playing loose. Cause we'd already made it to state. We're like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And we ended up playing them in the state final as well. That that's what I meant when I said like our district was stacked. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the, the emphasis of, of how that works. Mm. We're having those guys on next week. <laughs> no, they might try to murder me. So yeah, I don't know. Holman, you got some type of uh, law. I don't even, I don't even know what the hell I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Restraining order. I, got, I probably got a couple uh, people trying to kill me still from 10 years ago based on my antics. So. <laughs> <laughs> So Joe, we can uh, we can move on to some pro tennis stuff if you want. I I do have just two two more questions about college tennis, Steve. If uh, just for my own curiosity, so yeah. uh, were like as a state champion in Iowa, were you uh, like did you get offers from any schools? So I had gone to Notre Dame tennis camp before my senior year. There's probably like with like four buddies, you know, we stayed in the dorms, all that whole shebang. And I think I ended up finishing third. Um, the two kids that finished ahead of me both played D1. I think one went to Air Force and one went to Col- Colorado or Indiana. And there was there who coached, I think it was called St. Francis in Indiana, which was Division Two, who showed some interest in me but I never got an official offer. And then, I mean, I could have played division three pretty easily, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to go to Iowa and I was pretty, you know, if may, you know, honestly, if we had lost, I may have uh, changed my perspective and tune and maybe wanted to play D three. Mm. But the thing with like college tennis is I bet you the Iowa, like the kid who wins, Class two-way Iowa singles, there's probably one or two ki- – maybe at the most one or two kids that go Division One from Iowa every year. So mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of foreign exchange students. There's a lot of kids from Europe that they recruit. And so, yeah, essentially moral of the story, it's, it's really hard to play Division One tennis because you have a lot of external recruits that are, you know, kind of taken up the pool. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And my other uh, my other question about college tennis. So I, I'm sure you've been to a college tennis meet. I have, yeah. So Cole and I went to uh, <laughs> to a Drake tennis meet a few weeks ago, which is the school here in Des Moines. 
So yeah, I, no, was I was shocked. I wasn't aware. <laughs> Go Bulldogs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I was shocked at like, so when they played doubles, like the crowd was like just going nuts. Like there's so much yelling going on. And like, like during the point, like this guy got like an easy overhead and the, this dude sitting next to us, like as he's like hitting it, it's just like, good night. Like, like yelling during the point. I, I like couldn't believe it. Is that like a normal thing? For in like uh, college tennis, no. But honestly, if you want a good mental warfare story, the kid I mentioned that wanted to kill me earlier uh, when I was playing him, uh, it was I won the first set, and then I think it was six five deuce. And that's the other thing is you don't play ad in high school tennis, which is the dumbest thing ever in my opinion. But whatever. Um, so I like fed him an easy overhead and he hit it into the bottom of the net and I screamed like let's go and he didn't even shake my hand after the match so that, that's a no-no yeah but I I've only been to one college tennis match so yeah I don't fully know the climate but uh I think it's probably a little more cutthroat I uh I live in live in St. Louis or have lived there on and off for like four years with COVID and stuff. And there's this huge tennis complex where like St. Louis university and Washington university will play meets in practice. And I have seen, like I would play clinics there for fun. Um, and I have seen a lot more like crowd talking during the point than I had ever experienced. Cause usually it was pretty silent. Cause like when you're playing in high school, all your teammates are simultaneously playing. So right. it's not like they're, I mean, there's, there's times where they're not and they will cheer you on, but there's also times where they're playing at the same time as you. So you're kind of like, you're not isolated, but you're not, you know, playing at the same time. Hmm. Interesting. It's a good point. If you don't have, I mean, <laughs> for a, a one person or two person sport like you don't have the built-in crowd of a bunch of parents you have at most two or four you know if they show up and then how many extras are coming along right yeah probably yeah i mean my dad can account for like eight parents he's a pretty passionate fan <laughs> growing up he uh he would he got into some spats with uh, opposing players fans uh put it that way <laughs> really wow yeah, the kids that we ended up beating in the state title, like they were kind of, they were like outside the Cedar Rapids area. Um, and yeah, he, uh, <laughs> they were, he thought they were hosing us and he got into some arguments with them. So <laughs> he always had my back and that helped me a lot too. He would help fire me up, honestly, more than my coach. Um, so that, that always helped. But no, I agree with you're saying, Joe. It's, uh, Definitely different, but yeah, our our team was a lot of my pretty good friends. Um, we were all, you know, we were pretty close and loyal and kind of us against the world mentality. So we always, you know, if they, once they got done, you know, we'd watch each other. It could be our number six because that's, you know, with uh, – with high school tennis, you play six singles and then three doubles matches. Like, it could be our number six playing. And if we thought he was getting – I mean, I've got into it with, like, 
a kid's mom before because he was cheating and stuff. It wasn't my finest <laughs> hour, but yeah, we we always stuck up for each other. Okay, that's a good point because you're. T- I mean, we have line calls here. You talked about it's probably not cool to if the guy misses you know shanks an easy shot and you cheer they they probably perceive that as uncool but sometimes doing something uncool is part of the mental warfare the, the topic of like do's and don'ts etiquette that that you can choose to uh disobey for for a moment of passion w- what are some of those things that could could really tick the other person off or get in their head or or, or that maybe would or you're like, I would never do this, and it would take me off. Um, yeah, well, the first one was, like, the example I shared earlier. Like, if someone misses, like, an overhead into the net, it's, like, I don't know. It, it, you're not supposed to, like, cheer, essentially. Um, that's kind of a, a no-no. Um, or when they when they double, right? Yeah, and I was just, yeah, when they double fault, that's – and I've never – really cheered on that because that's more of like a that's more of a I don't want to say um like you're all you're more aware of it like when the kid double like when the kid hit the over into the net you know that was in the middle of a point to win the match so you kind of just instinctively you know but if someone double faults and it's like the middle of the set you kind of see it coming more um, I would say those two are the main ones. Um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, those are the main ones. I would say is double faults and honestly, oh, like overheads where they just hit it into like the bottom of the net. If you uh, if you hit the tape and it goes in, do you say sorry? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No. That, yeah, that's a running joke. Uh, we we used to play. You know, Matt. You know, that's the thing. With, the beauty of tennis is like we'd have challenge matches, which determined kind of like your spot on the team sometimes not all the time unfortunately i dealt with that but uh (laughs) yeah we used to always joke around and if you hit you know like a some a ball that hit the net and it dropped just even like if you're casually hitting back and forth you know we'd be like oh my god i apologize like i'm so sorry but you (laughs) kind of overdo it um (laughs) <laughs> you know a lot of people just like put their right you know hand up and that's enough but we would kind of fuck around with that oh my god i'm devastated that was that was tragic <laughs> but inside you're like oh yeah i probably just i could have just won the match because of that point so uh yeah i'm not sorry at all that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> so this is one i i hate this one and this comes up in the pro game a lot it's so like if the, your opponent's like up kind of near the net and you've kind of got an easy shot, you're supposed to go to one side or the other. You're not no, supposed to hit that. it right at them. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with you. I hate that. But it no. seems like when the pros like when they hit it right at somebody, it's like a big deal and like people get upset. I mean, well, granted, the pros can hit it like three times harder yeah. than you. So <laughs> you actually could probably injure someone. But no, I mean, it's a strategic shot to hit it at someone. I uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if they've got their net up in the volley position and you hit it right at them, most, like, it's almost a more, okay, obviously you'd rather hit it down the line, but if you're playing doubles against a good team that has, like, good net range and can cover the court, it 
a lot of the time it's better and more beneficial just to hit it right at them because it doesn't allow them to, you know, move their racket from right to left. It just kind of chokes them up. Now, yeah, I think that's bullshit. I completely agree with you. Thank I you. like net range as a, a term. I think. I mean, if you yeah, stuff. if you hit them in the face, that you know that looks a little worse. But you know, if you just jam them up and hit it right at their body, and it hits like the V frame of the racket. Jeez, that's like the most sexual tennis term I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, it is smart, and especially, I mean, it, it can end a point. Like if you've got your guy at the net they hit it to you short, they've got their two guys at the net. There's a very low likelihood that they're, even if you hit it at them, that they're going to hit, you know, like a winner volley, where is if like you hit it to someone's forehand volley and they can just, you know, pass you and hit it cross court and hit a winner. Um, So yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I've never, and I've never seen people had a huge problem with it. It's only if like, I think, well, in singles, it's a little bigger deal, but unless you, like, actually, like, clock them in the face, uh, it usually isn't that that bad. <laughs> Have Her- you ever served in doubles and hit your teammate in their ass? <laughs> oh, it happens to me all – I've gotten hit in the freaking back of my head, like, at least 20 times in my life. Yeah. And it's always like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't care. Just keep doing it. But it is – when you're playing with a partner that has, a like, a hard serve, it's definitely something you think about because, yeah, it doesn't, you know, necessarily uh, feel good. So <laughs> it's in the back of your mind a little bit. So are you doing, uh, like, the hand signals, like, behind the back when you play doubles? Oh, yeah. We have, like, six signals. I mean, you've got – poach fake poach serve and volley we did um like server comes to the net guy at the net goes back and plays baseline yeah we had we did all that stuff i mean i love that shit (laughs) that's awesome man so we uh we did not do any of that when i my one year of high school tennis we just went out there and swung rackets i had no idea what we were doing (laughs) oh yeah no i mean we and I didn't do that try my first two years. And then I, we, you know, our coach kind of mentioned to us and it evolved and I, I would watch some videos on it and like, yeah, I mean, it helps so much. Cause I mean, that was the thing is I had a pretty good uh, flat serve, but I had, well, yeah. Kids probably still have nightmares about my kick serves across the state of Iowa. <laughs> that, 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 that was my best asset was my kick serve. And in doubles, it's dangerous because if you have a good kick and you hit it to their backhand, and then me and my partner were like both 6'2", had wide net coverage, and were both good volleyers. But my partner was like, he wanted me to serve my flat serve, like all during the buildup to state. And then I just – and I would just serve my kick serve heavy kick to their backhand and I would serve and volley every single point. And I probably had my serve broken two times the whole state tournament, but um, I mean, it's a good strategy because I mean, if I was playing a lefty, I'd, I'd mix it up more, but yeah, the that's yeah. The kick serve and that stuff is, is useful depending on, you know, what like your 
teammates doing and that type of strategy. Mm. What about um, me, 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 you, you, you? Are both of those utilizable, legitimate communications for doubles? Yeah, I <laughs> I guess I uh, if I get a shot that I think I can finish off, there's definitely times and it, it runs both ways that you want to take it. But um, I honestly, I think it depends on the level of doubles you're playing. Like if you're playing a dog shit team who's hitting like soft, flat shots that give you time, that definitely applies. But if you're playing a good team in like a tight competitive match, it's a lot more kind of instinctual and just you just hit it. <laughs> oh man, Joe, this do you is... ever play? Joe, do you ever play doubles? I know. Uh, I have not in a while. I yeah. did like a last summer. I did a few times. I I like singles better. I just uh, so the whole like <laughs> being on your own versus being on a team. I get some anxiety about uh letting my teammate down. So like when I'm playing singles, like if I do something bad, I'm only hurting myself. So there's <laughs> a little more freedom. No, I get that. And that's like the the kid I won uh, intramurals with at Iowa was better than me. And I definitely like felt more pressure. Whereas in high school, I put a lot of the people pretty much almost. Yeah, the entire time I was playing with someone that was at my skill level or below it. And then you can kind of take control. I think that definitely dictates how like you feel and how you react during the course of a match. Yeah, definitely. So we have uh, some of our listeners are uh, just uh, getting into the game. They're beginners. Uh, if you could give one piece of advice for someone just starting out, just bought their first racket, stepping on a court for the first time, what uh, what would your one piece of advice be? Learn how to hit a forehand slice chip it to their backhand low and come to the net. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't think I've done any of those things so far. Yep. <laughs> Backhands or you say forehand slice, forehand slice. I've always had a good, I mean, I played against a lot of better opponents and that I was probably a better athlete than, and that's a, a great tactic is just keeping it low a shot they're not used to seeing as much and then if then get to the net because people panic when someone's at the net it's hard to pass them though other one would be be a backboard or play moon ball where you just where you just play you're playing someone better than you you just hit high slow topspin shots that go deep and you just make them beat you Interesting. So what about for someone who doesn't move very well? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say um, drop shots. Get that in your arsenal. Because that's the quickest way to end a point, especially if you don't have elite ground strokes. Oh, that's interesting. I'm trying to get out of points as quickly as I can because I got limited uh, energy. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I, that's happened to me where I used to be in a better shape and 
one of my friends in St. Louis, he's like a D3 coach. He's really good. And when I play with him now, I've kind of changed my game where I've started to hit the ball uh, with a like a little flatter as opposed to with more topspin and just gone for winners more quickly just to end points. And even if you lose the point, you can keep your stamina up. And I would also say, like, if, if stamina is an issue, it, it, you know, if you're down, like, 40 love, I mean, people do this in pro tennis. It's I'd call it the curios. Like, <laughs> just go for, you know, like, there's no need to drain 100 calories playing a long point when there's, like, a 2% chance you actually win the game. Right, right, yeah. That's a – that, okay. Let's use that and – talk not not necessarily about like what's going on in the pro game but like i want to transition to talking about like when when you're watching the pros and when you're watching tennis on tv i think not everybody knows everything they're looking for or like what's going on and like a lot of people who watch tennis they're only watching the slam so they haven't watched in a couple of months or since last season and they're like i don't remember this this is funny um so that's a good one that i feel like occurs to people is you're you're losing this set in the next couple of games is your mentality that you're trying to get some momentum or are you just like let's just end this now so we can get to the next set i'd say it's a weird spectrum if you're within two points away or two games away from losing a set like if you're down 4-0 and people hate on Kyrgios, but I think it's a good strategy. It's like you're playing five sets. So just, just, you know, I guess the, the main thing would be just go for it because you, you've got to know your limitations. Like if you're an absolute, I mean, who's the old, Oh, uh, David Ferrer. Great example. That guy used to, you know, run like 10 miles of the French open. He could play for, seven hours if you're him yeah i would i would never give up but if you're a taller guy like a sam query or an isner or a big server or a curios and you're down you know for love just go i would just you know go for winners like it doesn't it doesn't matter i think it depends on the opponent and how confident you are in your ground strokes but i guess all summarize if you are not like a backboard super fit player it can be advantageous to just you know go for winners and save your stamina um as opposed to playing out long points when there's like a low likelihood you win Mm. that's interesting that might be my strategy going forward here hey i can i can help you out holman i got you man (laughs) you'll let me know so you mentioned Berrettini earlier. Who's who is he your favorite player to watch in the pro game right now? Yeah, prob yeah, probably Berrettini. What he's on, he's been off for a while. Alcaraz for sure. Um, he just hits shots that no one else can. Um, I mean, I was. I mean, I got into tennis before I even started playing. I was a diehard Andy Roddick fan. Yeah, me too. Um, and that's why I'm excited. Corda is my guy. He's my American guy. 
Um, and there's a lot of good American players, but I, I like Cordo because of his variety and he doesn't really have one shot or skill set that's elite, but he's very tactical and good at everything. So yeah, I'd say overall it's Berrettini just because watching that man's forehand is like watching Van, Van Gogh paint a picture. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, besides him, it's probably Corda. I mean, because he's American, and obviously, I mean, I'm going to cheer for an American player over an Italian player any day of the week. You like Ben Shelton? Yeah, he's fun. Um, I haven't seen much of him besides his big run. At, it was the U.S. Open, right, that he went really far? I uh, think. It was Australia, right? It might have been. <clears throat> Yeah, I think hey. Australia this year might have really been his first um, slam. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Australians when he broke out. Yeah, I, I do like him. I haven't seen a ton of him, but he's – yeah, he's a entertaining athletic player. I have – I did some prep, and yeah, I, he's, what, 37 now? So that's what's crazy is Cord is only 27, and he's, you know, blowing up. Well, he did – you know, he's had some good runs at the majors. And then, you know, someone like Tommy Paul, who's 18, he's he's consistent and he's, you know, re- you know, he's fun to watch. And Wait, we got those backwards, right? Tommy Paul's 27, isn't he? Wait, did I? I, I think, wrote him I down uh, Cor- for the pod. You tried to throw <laughs> my prep work? So Shel- Shelton's like super young. He's like uh, 21 or No, something. no, no. I mean world ranking. Oh, they're talking age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, okay, I, gotcha. I, I have Fritz 10, Tiapo 12, Tommy Paul 18. Yeah. Yeah. That so makes I a think, lot more sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Fritz confirmed not 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Eubanks, 99. <laughs> Dude's about to be the oldest living person in America. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think Sheldon's got, I've, I've dealt with so much. And I know we, we had talked about like American tennis, like with Roddick. So this will be a hot take, but like I hated Federer my whole life only because he always beat Roddick <laughs> and it just pissed me off. But then, it, but then once Roddick retired, there were some good American players, but you'd be lying your ass off if you told me you like watching John Isner and Sam Curry play. I know they're effective, decent players, but I don't want to watch someone win 7-6, 6-7, 7-6, 7-6. You know, I like the new generation. All those guys have diversified games and are athletes and are strategic. And I, I do like John Isner, but it's they're, they're, they're not as fun to watch. Hmm. Like, I don't want to watch someone just hold serve for an entire match. I want to, that's why I like quarter. Like I want to see someone mix it up, you know, play like, I mean, that's why Johnny Mack, John McEnroe was, was so uh, electric back in the day is that no one played like him. Like no one could play the net game like him. And if, for the listeners out there, if you ever want a good, any of you like readers, the book open, which is Andre Agassi's autobiography, who's, my favorite tennis player of all time is probably one of my top five favorite books of all time. The dude would play matches on heroin. Wow. Wait, yeah. Really? 
Yep, and he played every match commando. I tried doing it my first two matches of my junior year, and I had to like ask for gold bond. I was like, we're not doing this again. <laughs> so he uh, at one, so he had like long hair, right? And then his like hair, his hair fell out, but he like oh yeah, it's called, no. oh my honestly, god, it's called you, going you, bald. Yeah, Holman, <laughs> you, you it fell out. The fuck? <laughs> but didn't he? So he like didn't he like kind of like make it a wig out of it and like wear it like because he did i don't know about that honestly he might have like published this like he published the book i think while he was still playing like he had a couple years left in him but he his like homie you should honestly like i I will check that out i open on your ibooks when we end this pod because it's unreal like his dad was this like he grew up in vegas and his dad would like keep him home from school and at, like, the age of five, like, drill him for, like, ten hours a day when he was, like, well, I already said that, five years old. And was just absolutely a mercenary towards him. And he, I mean, he dated Brooke Shields. I think he was yeah. married to Brooke Shields. You know, was doing, like, heroin and playing Wimbledon. I mean, the, he's got a crazy story. Interesting. But I, yeah, he's, I, I, he's a very interesting guy. Uh, oh, he's with uh, he's married to Steffi Graf. Yeah, oh, I yeah. remember that one from last episode. Top three women's player of all time, in my opinion. Wow, hot take. I don't know, Serena. Um, I don't even know. I mean, she's she might be two. She, you could argue she's two. So we went through a whole. We did a decades draft in the last episode. So we we went through all like the top men's and women's players. So we had a lot of debate. Yeah, I mean, she's she's also, you know, not not bad on the eyes. Um, you know, not a smoke by any means, but not bad looking. Good for Andre. Um, I mean, she's no Brooke Shields, but she's pretty. You know, she, she, that helps. I like uh, who is it? Chrissy Everett. She's mm-hmm. probably up, and she's you know still announces. She's really good. Um, Naver Talova, her voice annoys the shit out of me, but uh, she was a good player. If you you probably heard her during broadcasts, um, really good player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Martina Navratilova. I don't know. I can't. I can't mock her voice. I no. Yeah, I'm out of my element there. But uh, yeah. So no, those are all good. Yeah. The, um, women's games just just I don't know. It's different. Just there's so much parody and. I don't know if uh, you guys talked about her, but like Madison Keys actually grew up and played at my the um, tennis club that I grew up playing at. Quad Cities product. Yep, yep. Her dad's a lawyer, and uh, I have a semi friend who actually dates her younger sister. And yeah, it's. Uh, but I always, I don't think she's lived up to her potential personally, but. She's still pretty good, so she's doing fine. <laughs> yeah, no, we. I mean, we love Madison Keys. We love all the American players. You're right that, I mean, I've talked before, in both the men's and women's, there's kind of like a carousel thing going on where there will be like a bubbling up of a really promising player for a couple tournaments or a couple years, and then they kind of fade and maybe don't get all the way there. Um, at least some of the women have, have won slams during that carousel, but like, like Sloane Stevens and Sophia Kennan like went in like one, one. And then we kind of didn't hear from them a lot after that. No, Sloane Stevens is 
I was actually just going to say that where I thought she was like the next Serena and then she'll have like majors where she makes the finals, but then, you know, she's ranked like 18th in the world and it's kind of confounding as to what she, you know, why she can't fully put it together. We, uh, we talk a lot about Iga, Sabalenka, and Rybakina when we talk women's. That's, that's kind of the story these days. Real? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I... All right, don't get me a... I don't want to be called as a sexist here, but, you know, on the majors, I mainly watch... You know, I've got limited, limited time, so I mainly do watch the men's matches. But, like, that was what I liked about Breakpoint was... Uh, getting some of those stories, you know, about Honest Jabur. And, I mean, you, like, I relate that to, like, small-town Iowa kids I played. It's like, this girl, you know, grew up in a region where there's probably, like, four people that can actually even, you know, hit a forehand winner, and now she's a top-five player. So, I I thought her episode, her episode was pretty good, I thought. But, like, it it just depends on where you're from and et cetera. That's a hell of a shout out. We love Jabur. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's a that's a good re- representation for Oz. Oh yeah. Did I say hey. Oz? I think I said Oz. I don't know. I messed it up probably. But yeah, no, she's she's electric. I'm a big fan. Um, and hey, then Steve. Was, well, wait. Sorry. Finish up on yeah. On oh no, I was I was just gonna say I was trying to think of the chick that was is dating my guy Berrettini, but I can't remember her name. Oh, she, uh, Isla, Isla Tom Lanovich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's a handsome man. Oh my goodness. Oh man. Yeah. His, <laughs> his eyes are golden. I didn't know that was an eye color you can have. <laughs> Italian man. You like what someone at that villa, I'm like, get my ass to Italy. I'm going to Italy in December, well, Northern Italy, so probably not where they live, but I'm like, get my ass in right now. That looks awesome. Hey, as you said, limited time to watch, and um, it wouldn't be your fault. I mean, the broadcast directs it, but everything that we watch and everything we talk about on this podcast usually is singles. You're a doubles guy. Should we be watching more doubles in the pros? Uh, No, I wouldn't. Who was it? The, the they're retired. I think it's the Bryan brothers. Yeah, or, the Bryan brothers. Yeah, yeah. Like they were entertaining back in the day, and I mean, you know, if it's Kyrios and uh, Kokonakis. Yep, yep, yep. Like I would do that, but I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not just a single, just a doubles guy. I just that's what I went with. I mean, I I played, I played. I mean. Was my forte until honestly I hit my gr- I I grew like eight inches my senior year. Whoa! So, yeah, An- so, Anthony Davis stuff. Yeah, so doubles became a lot um, better uh, in terms of just you know n- net coverage and and that stuff. Um, okay, m- eh, six or seven. I at least seven inches I grew, but. Uh, Anyways, I I like watching doubles, but it's like they don't show it. So you you need to have like a full 
you know, tennis package to even watch a lot of these doubles matches. So it, it I would say the availability is the issue. It's but it's kind of hard to find a doubles match. I feel like if you're just casually watching like the majors and stuff, is it important to watch? I mean, what, what if what if someone said, "Hey, did you hear about Madison Keys?" And you go, "Oh, what happened?" And you said, "Oh, she won in doubles." Is is it like a is it less than? Why why is that like? perception there yeah i think because a lot of the good doubles players aren't that good at singles that it doesn't translate it's not as respected and i think because there a lot of times in the majors even with like the williams sisters back in the day and stuff they they could just you know only play majors and doubles and just win and so that damages the credibility of these good doubles players. And if you're paired up with like a Kyrgios or a Djokovic and you're the 70th ranked player in the world, you're just going to win because you're paired up with them or that at least is the perception. All right. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Cause the, the Brian brothers who are like the goats doubles team of all time, like n- neither of them were any good at singles, were they? They never, they never, I don't think they ever played singles in a tournament. Oh, interesting. That's wild. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I never saw them play singles in a tournament. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're great. And I I think doubles is a lot more fun in person because you can kind of hear, as I had mentioned earlier with my little mental warfare thing, um, like you can kind of hear the camaraderie and and the strategy and when you're watching on TV, I think the effect can be diminished sometimes. For sure, yeah. So this might be a stupid question because there might be some obvious answers, but... Joe, there's you... no stupid questions. <laughs> Only stupid answers coming from me. <laughs> so do you see men's men's or women's, uh, any player or players stick out to you that are going to dominate the game for the next decade? Yeah, man, I'm a big quarter guy. Maybe really? Because, yep. I mean, shit, dude, he made the semis of a major like six months ago. Um, I don't know. I think he he feels like a guy to me that hasn't really fully put it together, but he still has a lot of success. And, um, you know, he, I mean, his sister is the number two golfer in the world. His dad was a professional athlete. I, you know, those genes definitely help. I, I think, I think he has a lot of potential. Um, the other one would pro- like, like I like Taylor Fritz, but I, I, I don't know. I think he, I think he's reached his peak. Um, same with Tommy Paul. The only other one would, would probably be Shelton just cause he's unknown and is younger. Like I don't, I don't see Fritz Tiafo, Tommy Paul really being a like. I mean, they are elite hypothetically, but I don't see them, you know, reaching this. This like sounds douchey, like reaching the stratosphere or what? You know, reaching that top level. Right. So you're no. you're just talking Americans. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I. I've always thought like Kakanov, I mean, he's shown it recently a little at majors. Like, I think he's a good game that I think he's better than his ranking reflects. Um, but 
he'd be like one guy that I think has a lot of potential, but yeah, those are, those are the main ones. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I, I, I could have done more prep and done a little, <laughs> you know, deep dive on this, but I, I'm not sure with the, I mean, I grew up in, you know, I was a diehard fan during the, I don't know if you guys heard of Donald Young. Does that name? Oh, ring yeah. yeah. I've seen, watched a lot of YouTube videos on him. Yeah. Like I, Donald Young era where he was, big thing and then it was just dog shit so i i tend to have a little bit of uh hesitancy towards the hype i guess is how i would put it and that happens a lot in tennis right some like really really good juniors just don't pan out at the pro level yeah oh i mean donald young was supposed to be like i mean it like roddick was american tennis it's literally baffling because before roddick you had Agassi, Pete Sampras, Michael Chang. I mean, you had constant major winners. I mean, and before that, you had McEnroe. And then Roddick won one major. I mean, he was competitive. He was like the fourth best player for about 15 years. But there, Is, Isner was the best you got for like pretty much my life, like my whatever, middle school through college, essentially. Like, and he was – 15th at his peak you know i mean that's what's cool with tiafo and corda making the semis or further in majors is like that didn't happen for a very long time yeah good point i'm a i'm a shelton guy i'm i'm buying some ben shelton stock but i mean i i feel like alcaraz is the obvious answer and maybe igish Vatek on the women's side would be the obvious answer but what do oh, i know yeah oh well no yeah yeah uh, oh for sure oh yeah alcaraz by a mile yeah i i yeah my bad i misread the question i was thinking like up and comers like on the oh, okay yeah 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 um but- no alcaraz is gonna dominate i mean i but then you like then you have examples like dominic team where or you know he was winning majors in finals and got hurt and is i haven't even like seen that man's face in two years i think he's he's coming back he's playing again I think he's had like a, a couple of good wins here uh, last couple of months. Yeah. And so I think Alcaraz will be good. And it's because I know he was, you know, he missed a couple of tournaments because he was hurt. So I hope mm-hmm. he can get healthy. But his game is obviously so predicated on his health and athleticism that, you know, something major happens or he misses these tournaments and you never know. But yeah, he's, he's definitely the front runner to be the best in the sport. I mean, I, I hate Medvedev personally. Um, <laughs> Why is that? I mean, well, I mean, you know, fuck Russia, but uh, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I don't hate Medvedev. I, yeah, I do hate Medvedev. Um, <laughs> he's just boring to watch, I think. And uh I don't know. I, I'd rather watch guys like Berrettini and uh, Alcaraz and even like a, um, even like a sip of, God, I can never pronounce, pronounce his name for me. Yeah. Like I'd rather watch guys like that. I don't, I don't like watching guys like Medvedev, even though I know he's really good, but I think his upsides, more limited compared to the uh, other three guys, even Berrettini that I initially listed. Hmm. I, I, I shouldn't say upside, but like, you know, yeah, I guess I just have a inclination to not 
cheer and trust guys that are like just backboards and robots on the court, but he does get results and he does get it done. So that could be not fair, but yeah, I'm not going to be wearing a Medvedev jersey if there was one anytime soon. I'm with you on that one. The Joe A favorite always is Coco Goff. I've seen her beat Naomi Osaka. She beat uh, Venus Williams. Obviously, it was late in her career. She went to the final at the French Open. Um, I think that would have been last year. And all, not quietly, because, you know, she's like, she's in the New Balance commercial with Kawhi Leonard, but pretty quietly. She's not the highest ranked American uh, women's player. Right. Yeah, I think she's got a good game. I I could bullshit and act like I was more informed about the women's game, but I I just am not. Um, I I think that um, like you guys said, Iga Swiatek is probably the the best right now. Um, I I I do still want to have faith in Sloane Stevens, but she's like really inconsistent, but it would not shock me if she found one the U S open this year is kind of how I explain her. I love that. You know, who just uh, won in on the other side of Miami uh, Medvedev won the men's is Kvitova who we haven't talked about too much, but I think she won a couple slams like 10 years ago. Yeah. She's yeah. a vet. She scares me. <laughs> That's a chick that would have been like, we can say it like she could have been like a female Nazi general. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Kvitova has got great ground strokes. And uh, I mean, she's had a lot of success in the past, uh, but I do know you're like, I do wonder, yeah, if she's past her prime, but even if you're past your prime, doesn't mean you can't just, get hot and win a major, you know, when you're in your thirties, I mean, it happens all the time. So that could definitely occur. Um, it'll, yeah, no, I, it'll be interesting with the men's game. I got to well, if I, if you guys invite me on again, I got to, uh, do like, uh, we should definitely like, uh, majors, um, uh, gambling preview and stuff. Cause the, those are the type of people I like to take futures on or just, you know, people that have won in the past, kind of older, washed up, but you know, when they play a major and haven't been playing much, they're going to show out and, you know, put it on the line. Um, We'd love to have it back on. Honestly, that'll be hilarious. Um, And I, I already have two episodes slotted down because we can have you on if you do want to talk about Breakpoint when they release the next bunch of episodes and then, I, I like this idea of uh, of um, future Masters draft lottery that we could just kind of hold as our investments, you know, <laughs> till we, you know, as long as these people don't outlive us, we could have those. Yeah, just pow- just power rank the major winners. Now, I mean, I have I have buddies who have never had never watched a second of tennis that will text me about some bets and stuff. I tend to do pretty well that I know like, well, I think that maybe that's why I like Baratini so much that that dude's won me a good amount of coin over the years. 
<laughs> that's how it goes, man. That's how it all comes down to. That's why I'm a UC Riverside fan, man. They won me a lot, a lot of money one year. Yes, that's like, oh my god, I'm trying to think. When I was a senior in Iowa, I had all like three hour classes, and <laughs> who did God? Who do we bet on? There was just like this, yeah, small like mid major team who was like ten and one ATS to start the year. And we would just sit and like, well, were you, wait, you were a, were you a business major too or no? No, no, I was engineering. Okay. Yeah. No, we would just sit in like commercial banking, this like kind of joke class and (laughs) just watch like Furman or whoever the hell it was and just make a killing off of them. Um, So yeah, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have some established loyalty to anyone that uh, helps your financial situation. (laughs) Oh, Joe, are you a you a sports better? No, no. Is it uh? Can you do it legally in New York or no? Um, you can. Okay. <laughs> no, I know because like Barstool like couldn't get their license or shit. Maybe. Uh. I'm trying to. Uh. Okay. I'm not. Don't. I'm. Don't put me on a record. I think you can in New York, but I know that like. The bar, the Barstool Sportsbook, like didn't get approvals. What I'm thinking happened with them because they always like host their events in like Pennsylvania or Jersey. Hmm. Um, but I do think it's legal in New York. Hmm. Well, I I uh, agree with both of you guys. I would love to do uh, some like futures betting stuff, maybe a little uh, little uh, futures draft, something like that. Oh fuck yeah, dude! We just put yeah, we throw like. Uh, we draft like twenty people, just put five bucks on each of our picks or whatever, and the the winner gets the pot or something. Because you guys know when uh, Breakpoint's coming back, it will be sometime. I forget what they they've. You know how they did the first one, kind of right before the Australian. It's either right before the French or in between that and Wimbledon. Okay, yeah. I hope there's because you can tell with that. I mean, I know I've. Full swings the golf one. I know people were disappointed with that, but um, like the breakpoint ones, there's definitely some episodes where you can tell. Like, well, that's why I brought up uh, Tom Janovich is like, you know, when they, sorry, when they filmed her, you know, they were hoping for a good result, and then she lost in the first round. And you, and the curious one was good, but you know, when they filmed him they were probably hoping he'd make a big singles run and they had to pivot to his doubles run. So, you know, it's kind of depend. It can be a lot. I don't know. My dad is obsessed with like the, the, uh, formula one form. Yeah. Formula. Yeah. The one show to survive. Yeah. Drive to survive. So I, it can definitely be dependent on the result, but I mean, I, I loved it. I thought it was super entertaining. Um, so I'm, I was kind of pissed. I'm like, wait, what? You're doing like half now and half like eight months later. What? 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 What is this? But it'll be it'll be good when it comes out. Yeah. So let me know. Can want a a review or whatever? I'll I'll probably go back and listen to your guys' episode reviewing the first ones because yeah, that's <laughs> there's probably not not a lot of people that did a deep dive on those uh, in the podcast world. <laughs> that was my uh that was my favorite episode that we did by the way i thought that was a great one 
that's that's why we came up with this is and that's why and that's why I talked to Joe about it first is that like you know we're we're guys guys we kind of live in that world of like midwest sports dudes and I couldn't I didn't have to choose between Joe and even two other people who could like who like were just even at a very basic level invested in watching pro tennis at all Oh yeah, trust me. I'm I'm aware. I <laughs> I'll send like like during COVID, I would send like snaps of you know me watching tennis, and I I I did get a couple of my friend like I did get a couple guys more involved with it. Um, but you know, from a gambling perspective, because I do think tennis is pretty fun to gamble on. Um, and uh, yeah like I've always tried to get people involved, but it's not the easiest task in the world. It just, you know, there's not as, there's just not as many people that, you know, have played or et cetera. Like, like I guess I have, or other people have, you know, it's niche. Um, and it's not a sport like golf where, you know, my dad plays golf five times a summer, but you know, he'll be watching these small ass tournaments on like a Thursday afternoon so no golf's a great comparison i would say that that group of guys guys i'm trying to just generalize like i would say i would say most guys kind of have you could talk golf with them you you know they would maybe know a couple players or be down to watch some of those tournaments way more than tennis wouldn't you say so joe yeah i feel like yeah i feel like golf's way more just for like the casual fan i feel like more people watch golf than tennis for sure. And I think like soccer, like a lot of some people try to hate on it, but there's so many people who like absolutely swear by it. I mean, tennis, oh, yeah. people watch more, probably more people watch fighting than tennis. Dude, UFC. Are you a UFC guy, Steve? Uh, not personally. No, I like to uh, stray away from violence <laughs> unless I'm beating the shit out of someone. No, unless, yeah, it's, I, unless it's mental. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I like watching like a big fight, you know, with a group of guys, but I don't really go out of my way to watch it personally. I feel like it's becoming way, way more popular. Like it's like super, just getting super popular, but just my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, it's entertaining. And like I said, I mean, I will still remember to this day, like, I think it was McGregor, Nate Diaz, like senior of college. And, you know, when you're low on funds was a little intoxicated and someone convinced me to take McGregor like minus 400 and I lost and I've never placed a bet on UFC or boxing since <laughs> like we're out. I'm out. <laughs> F, screw that. <laughs> oh man. Um, intern Cole, you got any, uh, any notes for us? Any, any questions at the end here? Um, I'm about ready for bed, boys. <laughs> hey, you're on East Coast time. Yeah. No, a perfect episode all around. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Steve. No, it's been a pleasure, guys. I hope to join again in the future. And uh, yeah, well, let's uh, let's get some good good American tennis wins here in the upcoming months. Ben Shelton, oh, yeah. baby. <laughs> thank yeah, thank you, dude. It was good meeting you. Um, I can't wait to have you back on. I can't wait to see you here in New York in the summer. Well, hopefully, if my dad fucking pays the coin to buy a flight, I think it's been like two years in the making. So, but yes, <laughs> I will hope to be here too. I will definitely 
that'd be super fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, hypothetical U.S. Open review in-person podcast for you guys. Let's do it. Wait, 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 wait. You said you're living in St. Louis? Um, yeah, I, I have been. I'm actually kind of uh, well homing. Uh, might be moving to Des Moines. So I'll Whoa. keep posted. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, you might have to see this forehand in person. So uh, <laughs> I'll let you know. I know I know Ross is going to be scared. So uh <laughs> We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I have been, I've lived in St. Louis for like four years. Uh, but uh, may, might be looking for a change here. So, All right. I might be we going to see. Cincinnati Open. Oh, yeah. yeah. My uh, – my, sorry, to, but my, uh, my dad's friend who's like retired, he goes every year and says it's awesome. And uh, my cousin's actually interning for the Reds this year, so we might – I actually think I might try to go down for that. There you so go. that'd be fun. Um, anyways, well, it's been a pleasure, boys. Um, and uh, hope you get a, a good night's sleep in the Big Apple. And Holman, hope you uh, get some Fong's pizza or whatever the hell you eat in Des Moines. <laughs> big tomato, baby. Oh, big tomato. All right. Well, there we go. Shout out Big Tomato Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Manhattan Deli. That's oh, my- hell, hell yeah. Love Manhattan Deli. I used to go there with Pecklewood and uh, Ross when I interned in Des Moines. Um, good spot. Joe, you might have been to uh, Big Tomato when you came uh, for 8035 that one year. If it's the place that like somebody out of town would take you, then I definitely did. I had, <laughs> they had this moment where it's a, it's kind of was a funny trip because, uh, you know, it was just like long lines and everybody's drunk and trying to figure out you know who's getting the pizza and one guy's standing outside and he's like yeah just grab me a slice so i grabbed him a slice and um he wasn't pleased with like with what i had chosen you know probably they only had cheese and i just said yeah just give me a couple plans and so i bring him out his slice and he's like what the hell is this and because i you know because i was so pissed because i was like "I, i got you this like who, who am I, you know? I, so I took his slice and I threw it on the street. <laughs> oh, oh, man, yeah. I've actually never had Fong's Holman, but people just <laughs> rave about it. I good, don't know. Good stuff, too. Also, also like Fong's a lot. What was that sushi place me, you, and Lanson went to was pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Akabono. We're hitting all the Des Moines Ak- yeah. restaurants. Yeah. That place yeah. is good. Me, me and Holman, uh, Anthony, you know, we uh, we end up sitting with each other at every wedding. The two <laughs> I've been to in Des Moines, so end up <laughs> hanging out. So that's how he knows me. That's hilarious. And, yeah, <laughs> they're they're always a good time. I don't I won't have many. Le- well, Holman, once you get hitched, um, and we become you know really successful. Well, you become successful podcasters, and I can become a little guest spot guy we'll uh we'll get we'll get that covered but uh (laughs) sounds good all right gents well yeah i'm gonna call it a night as well thank you very much for having me on and uh yeah go sports go tennis (laughs) thanks man all right have a good one y'all the tennis fundamentals the serve the volley and the smash this month we are doing tennis What better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? 
I've no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world and I'm playing with the metal hit.